Hello, friends. Kirk Henderson coming to you from MavsMoneyBall.com. This is another episode of Group Therapy. We are coming to you, I don't know, about a half hour after the Mavericks dispatched the Memphis Grizzlies on the road. Second night of a back-to-back, it was a cathartic win that the Mavericks needed to bring them back to 500. Uh, I'm very pleased with the W. And, you know... We had a perfectly normal day online where nothing strange happened. There's nothing else to talk about other other than the basketball game. I don't know what anyone is talking about. So let's go ahead and start talking with fans, and we can discuss whatever you guys want. I will attempt to curb the length of the show because last night was two hours, and I was actually very emotionally drained by the end of it. I hope you guys had fun. Uh, and here we are. So let's go with uh, bring up my man Henry to kick us off. How are we doing, Henry? Um, shout out to Nick Angstead in the comments asking if we're still mad. I am personally. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I can't even enjoy this win because our owners on Twitter be like, shut the hell up. Put your phone down, pick up a scouting report or two or three, you know, and I don't know, man. I I understand. I was pretty salty before the game. Um, Friend of the program, Seth Partnow, essentially tweeted, it's really something along the lines of, it's really risky to go at the guy who knows where all the skeletons are buried and, oh, by the way, dump on the hardest core of your fans. And... Look, man, we are hardcore fans. People on social media that talk about this all day, it's not just Twitter. It's asinine for Cuban to say that. Like, Matt's Facebook might be one of the dumbest places in human existence, and yet in Reddit is just like, like if you say bad things about the Mavs, they, they come for your family. Um, it, like, social media and the Internet is a weird place because people can't help but type stupid shit. I am responsible. We're all responsible in some way, shape, or form. But Cuban just can't help himself because he's just like, I am not the problem. No, it is the children who are wrong. And it's just, it's it's him. It's who he is. It makes me mad. I still think that the best way forward, if you guys are frustrated with him, is not to tweet him, is not to tweet Dallas social media. It is to send him an email and say, I am a Dallas Maverick shareholder, and I expect more from this team. Otherwise, I think we're going to lose Luka Doncic in a few years. I or, really hell, stop, or hell, stop going to games. Like... Uh, yeah, you know? hit them with your wallet. Tell them so with wonder, your wallet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It makes me wonder how much they care, though, because I was there last Friday on a Friday game and the lower bowl was 60% filled. Like, I don't want to hear about Mavs fans for life and all that stuff. It's just like, you know, the people who are hardcore sit up top. Up top. It's uh, like the lower bowl is a place where where people want to be seen. I don't know. That's a different that's a different discussion. But it was it was a silly day. He embarrassed himself. Um if he really wants to go this route, it's not going to be a winning situation for him. Like we are crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, <laughs> I was in here, I was in the green room after we smacked the Pelicans. We shot sixty-seven percent from the floor, whatever. And I told you then, it's it's hard to get up for these wins. We proceeded to drop three straight after that Pelicans win, and I'm just kind of still at the same temperature, man. But well. So that's interesting. So I just talked to Josh about this. When you win a game like that Pelicans game, it like you win by such dominating fashion, it's hard to really judge what happens. But tonight, and granted, you know, the, the Grizzlies are kind of a grindy team without John Morant, and you're not looking at the same thing. But for them to be down 12 and then come back and win by eight is nice. It is something. It felt like a lip. Like, there's a, there's a number of specific positives that I felt like Dallas could take away from this game. I mean, Reggie Bullock finally finding, you know, the you know the end zone, for lack of a better descriptor. He had 15 points on four of six shooting, plus a number of assists. Like, that was the Reggie Bullock we'd hoped for. Um, I'm still hopeful about Reggie. Is that strange? Um, mm, I don't know. I... I'm just kind of in the same spot where we were at with J- Jason Richardson last year. I-, I just hope there's some positive regression there. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, that's that's kind of where I am. And, and you know, they, they could win this game, Indiana, and then they play Oklahoma City. 
And so they could be riding a three-game winning streak, and that would be important because the rest of their month is rough. So I'm hopeful. All right. I appreciate it, Kirk. I'm going to go watch some Succession and hope the Roy family buys the Mavs. You have a good one. Man, that show is not going to make you feel any better about about everything. <laughs> have a good night, Henry. <laughs> okay, coming up next is, uh, wow, a whole bunch of people. Um, I'm going to invite up some names that I don't uh, recognize. So remember, guys, uh, hit that unmute button once I call you up on stage because it insta-mutes you. Um, Doe, how you doing? Welcome to the show. What can I do for you tonight? Hey, long-time listener. Been following the Mavs since 1982. And, Holy uh, cow. Yeah, it's insane. Since second-grade basketball, we won the – City championships in Grand Prairie, and our YMCA coach took us to the games. So. And that was in the uh, the days where you could, if you got there early enough, you could actually grab like incredible seats. Oh yeah, you know it, it was a treat, and it stayed with me. You know, I believe in loyalty, but the whole problem with the situation is, like you said, is accountability. You know, I I want to be on your chats, but I can't be in the group therapy after a loss because I'm too mad. Sure. I'm just so upset. I can't even sleep sometimes because the way that we lose is disgusting. And it all starts with Cuban. People like him have egos that have helped him be successful, but it also it's to their downfall. When Jerry started being a better uh, owner, he, he let his, his coaches and he let his uh, general manager, or not his general manager, but his scouting department do, take care of the draft and make personnel decisions. Cuban will, will not, this organization will not go forward until Cuban changes. Preach. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. I, I don't know how to say it any better because I just kind of, if you've listened to these chats. I like slowly dip off to the edge of madness. I mean, that's, I don't want him to sell the team. I want him to be the, the rich, you know, so funny. Josh Bow on our podcast just now was like, you know what? If I was a billionaire and people were being mean to me online, I would simply go to France or go spend money and rent out a restaurant and do things that make me happy and turn off my phone. <laughs> and Cuban just can't. And it's going to be to his downfall. I love and hate that he answers people's emails because what I want him to do is to go is, is be the Mavericks benefactor and let the experts be experts. Hire it's, the it's best a, people and let them take charge. Have faith in the people he hires. You know, I just don't understand why that's just a hard decision to make, but it's all about ego. That's what it centers around. And I've tried to put myself in him in his shoes. And I think, you know, I was a sophomore in high school when he bought the team. And they were they those nineties. I mean, that you've been a team, a fan since nineteen eighty two. The the kids of the Mavs fan base don't understand what the nineties were like. Ooh, the pros were horrible owners. It was a land deal. That's why they were wanting to be the Maverick owners. And but beyond the the kind of crazier stuff that was like higher level, they had terrible luck. Like the 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 Shaq draft, they like one of the things that you. One of the crazier stats to me of all time is that the Mavericks have never moved up in a NBA draft lottery ever. They have only fallen. And that that the the, the um, Shaquille O'Neal draft was when they had the best odds, and then they fell. And there's just so many things that happened in the 90s where, if I remember correctly, it was like them and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that had like the worst statistic, like like win loss profile, like awful, awful, unwatchable basketball. So. I loved when Cuban bought the team. He brought some weird and fun things to it. He really brought the NBA to a different place, which they needed. Fast forward 20 years, he's no longer the old, he's no longer the new guy. In fact, he's arguably one of the old guard, and he's just kind of a different dude. And I, I don't want to tell him how to run the team, but I also do want to tell him to please step aside and let these people work. I don't love seeing him on the bench. It's strange. The stuff that, that Tim McMahon's reported over the last several months that like Chandler Parsons was a key person in, in determining the Mavs future. Harrell Bob was a key. Per- it was just like, why, why would you even have Donnie on payroll if you're going to do this sort of stuff? It's very disappointing. And they have time to correct this, but they have to do it now. There is no more. 
screwing around. What do you think? Oh, it definitely is a sense of urgency because the time frame for you can see the frustration in Luca. You know, if you look at all those passes, delicious passes that he makes, that we can't throw a rock into the ocean, you know. Being open by seven or eight feet, that's incredible in the NBA. Nobody has those kind of opportunities the way our players do. You know, it, it, it's ridiculous. You know? Yeah. Tim Cato wrote a very good piece. I recommend everyone go try to find on The Athletic if you're subscribers, where he dipped into some stuff we've talked about here a little bit about shot quality. And I don't – I think some of this comes around on the Mavs eventually. But even tonight, you know, their run in the third quarter, which put them ahead, which was awesome, was all jumpers. Like, Luca had one really cool slow-playing layup where he hit it, like, high off the glass as they were worried he was going to throw um, an oop. And they just need to have more stuff at the rim. I think that's how they they figure – that's how they get easier shots. More rim shots opens up things elsewhere. And instead, they're just kind of a jump-shooting team. And it's tough because when the jump shots don't fall, as we saw last night, is – One of the things that I saw that was really encouraging was the cutting to the basket, especially by uh, the, the – uh, forget his name – the guy that we got from – Reggie Bullock. This offseason. You know – and for all his, you know, bumps and bruises, the guy plays with effort. He does. You know, and and he's always in a position. Maybe he doesn't get the block or anything, but he's always tied on his man, and he always gives great effort. You know, he just seems like he's hurrying his shot a little bit. Statistically speaking, he's not very good in the first two months of the year. You know? So I think we should give him a little bit of a chance, you know? And – this is the right move, putting him into the lineup, balancing out the lineup with better defense and more cutting the, to the ball where Hardaway, that's not his strength. No. No, and Tim, I think, will figure this out eventually, but Tim is really missing Rick Carlisle. Carlisle was a shot doctor. You remember when he turned O.J. Mayo into, like, a, like a two-month all-star? <laughs> I really think he misses Rick Carlisle being able to offer tinkering things because his shot's just brutal lately. I think he'll figure it out, though. I hope so. You know, I definitely think there needs to be more movement on the offense. You know, it's okay to set up for three-pointers, but let's cut to the basket when we can. If you don't get the cutting lane, pop out, give proper spacing for a three, and let uh, penetration give you great kickouts and better opportunities. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Do you got anything else before uh, I move move on to the next uh, guest? One other thing that I'm really irritated about is we're so passive when we have a lead. Mm. You know, this is horrible. You know, when we were taught at a young age that we had numbers, even though we were killing time, we attacked the basket. You can't have that killer, lack that killer instinct, even though you're trying to burn some time. It's ridiculous that we try to you know, execute our offense with five seconds left on the shot clock. I know it's the end of the game and time is on our side, but we blew several leads in the past from doing that. Like that overtime game uh, that we had a couple of weeks ago, I forgot who it was, a great team that Luca had to hit a last second shot to tie the game. That's ridiculous. You know, we shouldn't lose that, that attacking mentality. I, and I wonder where that comes from, because this happened with Carlisle, too, where it was just kind of a, oh, you know, they get the lead and it's like eight points and three minutes left. And it's like, oh, this is good enough. No, three minutes is a lifetime in a basketball game. The Nets carved, I think it was like eight or ten points into the Mavericks in two minutes last night. Yeah, it's so. unfortunate, you know, especially when the team's pressing you. Once you get the ball to the middle of the court, you normally have odd number rushes to to the lane. You know, a two-on-one or two-on-three or three-on-two. It doesn't make any sense for me to take the ball back out. What I can get is for sure, too. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you come back. All right. Thanks, Kirk. Uh, uh, thanks for inviting me up. Sure. Okay. Coming up next, we have, let's see here, Brandon Britt. I've not seen him here before, I don't think. If I have, I apologize. Welcome. Hit that unmute button there at the bottom and tell Hey, what's up? Welcome. This is my first time, but I always listen to the podcast. Thank you. I can explain shot quality for you since you've been tweeting. 
Shot quality doesn't have anything to do with the players. It is expected field goal percentage based on league average, based on the position on the floor. So from 17 feet at the elbow, the expected field goal percentage is XY averaged across the league. So when we're getting bad shot quality, it means that we're taking shots from locations that have low expected field goal percentage. So not every three is made equal. Not every two is made equal. That's why. So let me let me ask this, and I've been talking about this. I think I understand it. So if you don't take any shots at the rim, like, and I mean that both literally and if you take like one or two out of your 90 shot attempts in a game, (laughs) it makes everything else worse, right? Right, because your expected field goal percentage is the highest at the rim of every shot, right? And then the points per expected shot at the three, the reason why three-point became so valuable is because 30% from three is equal to 45% from two. But that's only applicable if you're shooting 30% from three in every spot, right? And only mm-hmm. the only area league average above three are really the corners and sometimes on those wings. So, and, and, and on catch and shoot only. So everything is situationally dependent based on passes. So if you're not getting shots at the rim, then you need to be taking really, really specifically high efficiency shots from key locations like corner three or 45 three or from a super efficient, excellent mid-range player like a Kevin Durant, right, who can hit 48% from two or something. So if your mm-hmm. shot quality is going to spots that you aren't expected to hit good value at, and then your players are not otherworldly, right, then your offense is going to be terrible. But if you have seen- players across the board, then you need to be taking layups and corner threes. That's how you're going to have the most points. And, like, I've seen – like the Mavericks actually on the jump shots are they're they're not as atrocious as it feels. They're kind of okay, but okay is not good when that's all you're taking. It, right. It's why they're average from a lot of the spots. Like even three, mm-hmm. they're not that bad. They just don't take layups, which is like not taking your sixty-five percent finish rate at all. They just don't take them. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just brutal. Yeah, and I think the reason they do that is because then they're playing double bigs, right? Because when you play double mm-hmm. bigs, it's three defenders in the paint. It's impossible to get to layups. I don't care if you're LeBron or Luka. Luka is is overweight, but he's not. He's never been above the rim finisher. He's a crafty finisher. You can't crafty finish when you got three bodies there unless you can just rise over, right? And that's just when you have two bigs, you can't do that when you put Dwight Powell and KP in the, early in the season when they didn't know who was posting and who was rolling, right? It was terrible. And they're starting to get better. But even now, I think per – you know, per hundred possessions, they're plus 7.2 with Luca and KP in the lineup. So when KP is, or as KP is the lone five. So there's a advantage to having that spacing, you know, it stinks when your two wings who are three point specialists go over 13 in the previous game, at least Reggie hit some shots tonight. And then when your other one, Tim Hardaway is literally unable to keep a guy in front of him at all. If you don't have good rotations on defense, which we don't typically have, right. You're in trouble. So, play a lot of bad offensive or offensive players who can't play defense and can't hit shots or not hitting shots. You're going to be in trouble. Same goes with defense, play a bunch of defensive specialists like Josh Green or Frank, and they're not getting great shot quality. Then you're not going to have a good offense, which is why we're 20th and 22nd right now. Right. Right. But yeah, I'm a season ticket holder and also in the lower bowl and i nearly wanted to sell mine today after the cuban tweet that was that was ridiculous so it's strange anyway. it it's just such a strange am i wrong about the lower bowl that was the first game i've been to in 20 years and so i could just it, be wrong i got season tickets dennis smith junior year that was the first time i was able to do something like that i just moved back to dallas and i was really really happy and I'd go to games that we got blown out and have a lot of fun. It is weird right now. There is not that many people in the in the stands. I don't know if it's post-COVID because they started the season with all the requirements and stuff mm. and people just weren't there or or what. But it is weird. It is ghost townish compared yeah, to like that's, the past. And, and, I mean, the flip side of that, and, and I, you know, I went to a number of Wizards games. Like the atmosphere overall at Mavs games is spectacular. Like it, it's it's so much bread and circus that you don't even realize that when the Mavs are sucking. Like I, I didn't notice <laughs> that they were losing. And then it's you like, huh? Oh, man, they're down to – yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, Brain. I appreciate that explanation. It's kind of what I what was leaning towards because I've been talking to people all day, but it's just – it's so – People don't get it because it's like I had one guy in in the and I'm not picking on him. He's he's wonderful commentator, Mavs Moneyball, who's 
tell me, he's like, well, they're only shooting two less shots within five feet based on the NBA data. And I'm like, well, two shots is 2%. Like that's, that's about two points a game. Yeah. When you, so when you start talking about the difference between 20th and maybe 17th or 16th, right? Like it matters. Probably like two points. Yeah. So the fact that we're shooting bad and getting two less shots, it's a problem. I like kids rotations. I think is talk has done a great job kind of highlighting the changes on defense and if they can figure it out, I think they might be okay. But like, we really need, I think there's, you know, we don't have enough athletic off the dribble players, right? Dorian Finney Smith is probably our most athletic off the dribble player who doesn't get the ball ripped from him constantly. Mm-hmm. And he can't finish, right? We had like, we had multiple fast breaks, three on one, two on one that we just muffed up. That's because we just don't have guys who know how to finish off the dribble. It would be great if we could get a journeyman, six-man type guy who would actually be able to just get his own shot, you know, and not be just a sieve on defense. But I would even take a Jordan Clarkson type player. But then you need a backup big, right? Because Dwight Powell, for everything he does, you can tell he's not the same person. His elevation is low. He's not finishing dunks he used to finish, right? His hustle's there. He tries hard. But but we don't have – like Moses Brown looked great tonight, right? He was not in position half the time, but at least he's he's hustling and getting back. And some of those fouls were okay to take. And getting rebounds is half the battle if, as a backup five, I think. So, and he runs the floor hard, even though he didn't finish those. Right? Those fast break, you know, pass attempts that he gets on the sprints, those are valuable. That creates space and possessions that make the defense have to hustle back and changes makes fouls happen. Like all of those things matter, even if you don't finish, right? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll let you go back. But it was a uh, his first time I've actually got on before having to listen to it the next day, going to bed miserable. So <laughs> well, thank you for joining. I appreciate you, Brandon. And I was next to you during the Hallelujah Sep Part Two with Gallagher. Our kids were sitting next to each other. That's wild. Awesome. So. Oh man. Yeah. All right. Well, you have a good night. A- All right. Who else we got in here? I'm going to bring up my guy, Kenny. I'm not saying Kenny's not chat. I wanted to chat in a while, and I have a feeling he would like to get something off his chest. Kenny, hit that unmute button there at the bottom, and it will let you talk. Bueller. He's still figuring it out. I bet he's not. I bet Kenny's unlocking his phone. It's the best part of this. That's okay. Um, Kenny, I'll bring you back up here in a little bit, and we will oh, start. There. There. there we go. Kind of cut out. Um, so I didn't watch the game. I watched like two minutes. But Mark Cuban, how dare you disrespect your real fans? Talking about we're not real fans. First of all, I was at the game last night. I've been a season ticket holder for years. Mark Cuban can shut the hell up. Second of all, how are you going to call me not a real fan when my wife found out she was pregnant, the first thing she bought for me was a Dallas Mavericks onesie that says, Kenny 817 is my dad. Go Mavs. How the hell am I not a real fan? Mark Cuban is he just made an uh, ass hat out of himself. So screw that guy forever and ever. And that's all I got. I have nothing else to say. Go Mavs. I'm sorry I'm not a real fan. And also, one more thing. Did the... Um, did, did uh, what was I about to say about the balls? So, are we gonna use that as an excuse tonight? I mean, we won, but are we gonna say anything about the balls tonight, or only when we lose? I mean, the ball worked out well for enough Mavericks right. to where they scored 104 points. So right. I, I think the ball was in our favor tonight. Right. Like, screw that guy. I, he just making all these excuses. Just no accountability. It's just like, bro, you too old for that. Like, come on, bro. Like, it's it's insane. Well, I mean, I've had to learn this, and and I I, I I bet all of us have who are not who are no longer in our twenties. There's just this time in your life where you can realize you don't have to answer or talk to everyone. You start filtering people out of your life who aren't really for you, and you just sort of you know you move on. You become an adult, and part of what made Cuban so appealing in the early 2000s was the fact that he talked to everybody, and part of what makes him so damn frustrating in the in 2021 soon to be 2022 is that he tries to talk to everybody but he really doesn't want to hear us he don't want to hear anybody i mean he wanted to run for president and he would have been so fucking soft (laughs) i use i I do politics that's my life soft can't hear it can't take it 
We're uh, toxic. Cry me a river. I know you remember the days like when he first bought the team. Everybody was ruled. I was so happy. But that was before we knew that he was the problem. Well, I mean, he was very valuable for a certain time and place. Like, I'm going to run this course as my existence as like a Mavs, like semi-media person. Like you either live long enough, like you either die a hero or you live long enough and become the villain. Like that is Cuban. He was so awesome for a long time. And then all of a sudden he wants to party with Chandler Parsons and McMahon's told these stories where it's just like those guys abused him. He was like the nerd that they would take out and then leave at bars with a bill, like embarrassing shit. And we're the problem. Right. As we just simply demand that they surround our generational player with better dudes. It's a wild concept. All I want is to just field a roster around your generational player with players who can just dribble a basketball. That's it. Dribbling. That's Dribbling. It. That's all. If you give us good players, no one will complain, even if we lose. I will still complain, but it'll be different. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably still complain. You know me. I'm still going to complain. But just get good players. That's it. Instead of blaming us so you don't have to take accountability because you suck ass at your job. It's not my fault. I mean, he thinks it's my fault, but he's just Well, that was was the weird part. It was like Harala Bob kind of embarrassed him online because he's sitting there talking about, ah, the ball is the problem. And Harala Bob's like, no, the problem is you're putting shitty players and making them do stuff they don't know how to do. (laughs) What's funny is is that's the guy that convinced them to get him. Ain't that true? Jackass. Sure, Doe. Doe Do in the chat says Michael Scott of the Mavs is very important. <laughs> yes. I mean, you can just see you can just see Cuban saying I am a basketball machine, or I might be a basketball machine. <laughs> that, that's all I got. You can bring somebody else up. I don't want to talk all day. You're the best, Kenny. Thanks for having you. Go Mavs. Talk soon. All right, my lady. Ja, how you doing tonight? So, um, kind of piggybacking off of what Kenny said, Mark Cuban just reminds me of that meme where it's um, Steve Buscemi and he's just like, how do you do, fellow kids? That is Mark Cuban. Whenever I see Mark Cuban walking out of the tunnel next to Luca and he's wearing a Jordan hoodie and like dunks and skinny jeans first of all you're 85 grow the fuck up why are you this is an attack this hurts me i'm kind of terrified no no it's kirk you're at least more in touch with reality mark cuban like no billionaire has any sense of reality they're not in touch with anything because they have that much money but when i see mark cuban coming out of the tunnel looking like a hype beast and like he is he sells sneakers on the down low it, it infuriates me you're 85 wear a suit or at least jeans and a nice button down. Like you're not Luca's homeboy. Stop acting like it's him. a little thing. It's a little thing. It's the it's the these lines of demarcation where if he stops trying to be the cool guy, it makes him cooler. You know, like Balmer embraces the fact that he is like one of the ten richest men on the planet who is also a fucking dork. Like, and that somehow makes him a little more lovable. I mean, it's still weird, but it's it's just a different deal. Yeah, because, like, you can tell he genuinely loves the team. Like, he, you see him groping and grabbing people's legs when, like, someone makes a dunk. Like, I don't want Cuban to do shit like that. But I would much rather see him, like, engaged and passionate about the games rather than, like, sitting behind the bench and, like, laughing and joking with the players. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're 92. Grow up. No, and 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 – I like this sort of thing is relatable because it like my wife, you know, I'm 37. My wife has occasionally been like, don't, don't say that you're old. (laughs) And it's just like, you need somebody in your life to occasionally tell you that. And like, he is such like, when we're talking about the non basketball stuff, the stuff the Mavericks do for the city, the stuff that he's willing to do for the town and, and beyond that, and just sort of be a leader. He is in a, a, overall a net positive to the community at large. I think it's worth saying that, but it's so damn frustrating when he just won't like, this is like the fifth time this season he or Mav surrogate has bitched about social media as part of the problem. And it's like, folks, if the real Mavs fans for life aren't like this, why are you constantly talking about us? Why do we live in your head rent free? I don't want to think about Cuban. 
I want to make jokes about Luca and his bad haircut. Yeah, it's like for a guy that is so concerned about optics and having a public image, he is so terrible at maintaining a good public image. I don't know who his team is, if he has a publicist or anything like that, but whoever it is, they need to be fired. Like Mark Cuban, I don't know what's going on. It's it's just ridiculous. But thanks for bringing me up, Kirk. Of course. I pre- you need to join more often. The people want to hear what you have to say. All right. Um, we're going to cycle through some folks. Greg. What's up, Greg? How you doing? Hey, Kirk. How are you? Can I'm you hear me? Good. good. So um, I was stuck with the Grizzlies broadcast tonight. They were angry. And that it one, was uh, they. It, it wasn't. I didn't hate. It. It, I just thought it was an angry mob scene. It was just like um, every time they were just complaining about okay. stuff. I mean, I get things weren't going their way. It was just bad. The re- <laughs> like, can I be honest? I thought the refs were terrible. Only it benefited us, so I'm going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I would too. I was just like, am I really dealing with this right now? I, it was just bad, constant whistles. But Brevin Knight just blowing a gasket every time the whistle blew, and then their coach Jenkins to me, he just looks like a school janitor. I love Jenkins. He is a Dallas area product. He apparently went to St. Mark's. Um, he was actually teammates of sorts with Jonathan Sharks of the Ringer. He does look like Brian Cardinal, like evolved, like Pokemon evolved form. There's something going on there, but I, I like, I like him. I, I, I understand what he does look kind of funny. The, the pullover yeah. was doing. And then one last thing. I mean, don't the Grizzlies uniforms tonight, don't they look like when you have Twitter on dark mode, like with the Bluebird? It's just. I mean, those uniforms with with that court just go bad to me. It was interesting, but I've got to say I love the texture of the court. It's so different looking. Oh. What did you think? Oh, I, I I agree with that. Yes, absolutely. It's just weird seeing those uniforms with that court. I know other teams have that too. It's just like, what are we dealing with here? I have a hard time being mad. Like, like the Mavs uniforms are so traditionally ugly. I have a hard time being like other uniforms are ugly. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, it does make sense. Thanks for hanging out, Greg. You got anything else? I think that's all. I just wanted to quickly bring things up, see what you thought. Love it. Thanks for hanging out. Talk to you soon. Yes. Yes, thank you. All right. Sean. How you doing, Sean? Welcome to the show. Sean Coleman, who is a uh, Grizzlies uh, all sorts of of thing. You do podcasts, writing, a little bit of everything. What's going on? How are you, sir? I didn't get the chance to talk to you the other night, but a uh, happy holidays for you to you and the Mavericks fan and your family. Thanks, buddy. What do you got? For- um, it, it's amazing what it's like to have a, a top five player in the world back, right? Like it, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, and the other thing that I'll say is this: is that a first congrats on the win. I, I wasn't too happy with the refs. They're uh, bad, man. Being featured, they're real bad. Yeah, but there was. There was a clear goal. Moses Brown was awesome. Like the thing that stood out, like the Grizzlies needed to take advantage of the non-Luca minutes and Moses legitimately broke up our rhythm even more than the refs did to be able to get in the flow of our offense. When we weren't hitting the threes, he did a very good job. I think that the defensive effort of the Mavs reserves and kind of their secondary level of players really made a difference tonight too. The Grizzlies just could not find a rhythm. And and I know that that's kind of been inconsistent for the Mavs, but with Luca back and that type of defensive effort, I think it made a difference. The Grizzlies missed some shots, but Moses Brown and others did very well. One of the things about Moses that's really fun is that he is like Inspector Gadget. His arms just – People – like Stephen Adams is a mountain of a human being. And – it, he didn't look like Steven, like he didn't make Steven Adams look small or anything, but it was just like his seven, five wingspan. All of a sudden his arms just up in the air. And, you know, the first time Jason Kidd played him was against um, the Cavaliers, which was just mean. And so to see him play against a different style of big, like not, you know, those, those two bigs with the Cavs are, are like, they're going to take that team to the playoffs. It's really, it, you know, Steven Adams is just a different, different dude. And then, um, 
Xavier Tillman is is a completely different kind of big too. Where it's like, okay, we can see what he can do against different dudes. It's he's still a little bit of a mess. He's going to be a mess for a long time if the Mavericks keep him. But there's like there's something there, and and it was Bobby Corrala, one of the Mavs uh, media guys, basically saying that like energy is a is a skill, and he played with it, and it, and it mattered enough. Yeah, and, and that's something that helps the Grizzlies, obviously, through Dylan Brooks and others. And, you know, y'all, I think y'all did a very good job adjusting to um, Desmond Bain. The, the Mavericks did what they, besides Luka coming back and Kristaps being there, I think the Mavericks did enough making adjustments to the other night. But I will say that, you know, uh, that you made timely threes, but I really do think that, you know, the, the overall defensive effort of y'all's reserves and secondary players, um, it made all the difference. But congrats on the win. It's going to be fun to see a good division race for the rest of the year. And, again, happy holidays to, to you and all the Mavs fans. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm not sure if the Mavs actually did that much to Bain and so much as Bain just didn't hit shots. Like, Bain looked for what was incredible about the first game Bain played is, like, everything came within a flow, and he felt like he was pressing just so, which that happens, and he was still pretty good. So, very interesting stuff there. All right, uh, Chris, how you doing? Thanks for waiting for so long. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. So, just one day difference just feels so, you know, from last night, just going to bed all depressed and you know staying up for the entire green room i was just exhausted this morning i was like that i'm glad it's a second out of a back-to-back because i'm like let's just hurry up and play this game and i hope they win so and i was real tired and my wife didn't want to hear anything she was just like you stayed up with them like i'm just that that game last night i mean we had it and just felt so disappointed and depressed and i couldn't even finish my bowl of cheese it snacks snack mix now tonight way different i'm like Want to scream for the mountaintops? I just enjoy the win, so I'm like on my second bowl of cheese at snack mix tonight. So I was able to munch it tonight. I have the munchies when I get when we get a win. So, you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. When we have these wins, I don't want to focus on the negative because I just like I just enjoy the win. So I have to get out, get off that losing streak. Yes, feels good. We've got the Pacers coming up and the, the Thunder. So this, like you said, this definitely could be a three game winning streak. Good. And go from there. So, and a lot of these losses that we've had this year, it was because Luca was out of it. Luca and KP were out. So, um, I mean, I know the team's been shooting like dog shit, but if we can just have Bullock, he made four threes and I just, just hit two or three a night. You know, Hardaway only hit one for six, but if he can just hit two or three a night, that always gives us a chance to win because our defense has been, you know, playing, um, a lot better this year than, than last year. And um, I'm, I'm really glad that they are giving Moses Brown. I know he's going to make a lot of mistakes. He's a raw player, young, but just his sheer size. I mean, just his ability just to be there in the paint, you know, deflect shots. And as long as Luca's out on the floor, I really feel like he can he's – he's in a good spot. He's going to have, you know, some alley-oop dunks, dunks there. So and we're just – if Powell or him is going to be on the floor, there's going to be a lot of mistakes either way. We're just going to be like, ah, growing pains, but I don't know. He's got to be out on the court and develop. So. Well, it's it's new mistakes. It's different mistakes. And exactly. we have seen Dwight Powell make mistakes. Um, one of the – this is a kind of a, a related sidebar. The Mavericks um, – like, Maxi Klebas look like crap for two games in a row. And only it really didn't matter for much of the um, Nets game, and it didn't really matter tonight. Like, Jaron Jackson wore him like a hat. Uh, it was not a very effective maxi game, and and yet the the Mavericks did okay because of the efforts from the other big. So it's it's nice to see him get a chance. I don't know what it means. Not going to be too crazy about like I don't want to you know read too much into anything. But it was it was just it's nice to see the things happen for him. Um, I just and, like, you know, I just like Moses. I mean, with his passion and energy, I mean he's the opposite of what Willie Cauley Stein is. I mean, really so. He's out there trying. I know he's just basically fighting to be in the NBA, and that's good. He's got the size to like at least be a rim protector, you know, get some rebounds, block shots, have alley oop dunks from Luca. I mean, that's great. Now the whole Josh Green thing, I'm kind of confused why he's taking minutes from Frank Nilakina, but I mean, is this because of the whole Bane comment thing, and maybe they throw him out there again tonight, or we might not see him play against the Pacers? I mean, or and the Thunder? I don't know. It's an interesting but. one. It makes me wonder. You know, Frank. Frank was injured for a while, and if they, you know, if if you're gonna try some Josh Green stuff and you want to give Frank the night off, is that the worst thing in the world? It didn't bite them, 
And I, I mean, kind of think, and I know Josh Green is just, he sucks, but maybe they're like, just give him another chance. Maybe he can, some trade value. I mean, not really, but just maybe he can have a few good games and by the trade deadline, we could just throw him, trade him away and, you know, get something. But I really want, I'm rooting for him because we, we're all, we all want him to play good to help us win. I mean, we, we took him as a high draft pick last year. I was just, I, I hope I hope he turns it around, but damn, he just plays like a chicken with his head cut off out there, you know. Gosh. <laughs> the game is so fast for him and Josh Green, or and 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 for uh, for our other guy too. He gets put uh, in Moses. bad spots too, like with the shot clock going down. He's got like three seconds to shoot it. Just just stupid shit, like guarding Harden with that last night. I mean, just just stuff that's not fair. But he needs to get out there and and you know get some pr- development. You know, just. Just get some minutes out there. Maybe he'll get better. But, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, Maybe not, but we'll see. So. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out, Chris. Appreciate you staying up and listening both nights, all right? Yeah. <laughs> sure, thanks. All right. Who we got next? We got uh, Mr. Tanksley. How are we doing again tonight, my friend? Good to see you again. Two nights in a row. Hey, good to see you. What? I'm in a high spirits today. So, <laughs> um. Two quick points. Uh, I, I gotta go to bed soon, so I gotta make it, I'm gonna make it quick. Um, number one, I, I, I wanna get your thoughts on, uh, Tim and his family. Like, I, the past two years, it seemed like he's been doing better with his family and, and house, but it's, it's like, does that, <laughs> I don't know if it makes a difference or anything, but it's just like the dude is not making anything. He made one three pointer, and that's about it. Can we import his grandma? Can we bring yeah. the entire family to Dallas? Like it's exactly. I, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, the man. You know, it was so interesting. If you if you haven't listened to this podcast, J.J. Reddick had him on, and I think it's still worth listening to even like four months later, where they talk about kind of like the art of shooting and, and the things you need to have your mind right in an NBA game. And he just needs something. And I really thought he was going to get it with the other Memphis game where he just sort of like willed them back into it by taking tons of shots. And I don't know, I, I still feel okay, but there's something not quite right about his shot, and I don't know when he's going to fix it. If they could win games without him needing to score a ton, that's all for the better. But, again, we just signed him to a four-year extension. Yeah. Yeah, at some point you, you, you got um, to give a return on investment, you know. That's right. Um, you said you had two. Th- yeah, my second one is um, consistency. Um, I'm I'm not going to get too hyped on uh, Moses Brown or Reggie Bullock until I see more consistency. I like what they did tonight, but you know, you got to keep that up. Uh, sure, sure. So it's like you want to you want to see him play two games in a row and actually do something for more than just one. Yeah, I de- I definitely uh, I definitely would rather Moses Brown than uh, Willie Collistein. Sure. <laughs> you know sure. You, you can you can take all the time you want with the personal reasons. <laughs> yeah, whatever his personal reason is, I, I think his personal reason might be not particularly good at basketball. But that's just me. Hope he's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for hanging out. All right. Good night, y'all. Oh, and uh, oh, and don't let anybody, don't let anybody else tell y'all y'all ain't real Mavs fans. Real yeah. fans want to see this team succeed, which uh, whether it's criticizing or or cheering for the team we got, you know. So damn right, damn right. That's right. a good note. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Good night. Okay. Who else we got here? Jose, who is probably like like surviving on like pure caffeine injections directly into his heart after going to bed at like midnight and waking up at two to go to work. What's up, Jose? Hit the unmute button. <laughs> nah, I'm. I mean, I fell asleep in the the second half, so I didn't really get to see 
a lot of the game. I did get to see Moses, but I was just talking to uh, Bibbs on on his uh, hoop spaces uh, a minute ago, and I I wanted to bring this idea to you because I was thinking about, well, Bibbs had asked uh, a way to fix the, the roster, and one of the ideas I had came up with was Frank being like a a key component that that we keep uh keeping Amarui and then adding uh Carly Jones and I think that's a great way to build a a, a strong culture maybe a new a new way to to view mass basketball because we I've said this before we we've lacked athleticism we've lacked people who run down the court and Amarui, he, he could pass the ball. He could dribble without, you know, being like Dorian Finney Smith or Tim Hardaway Jr. And then Carleek, he's really explosive. He's bouncy as hell. And then with Frank, I feel like the, the reason why he's a really solid piece is because he's a guard that could guard. <laughs> You know, we we just haven't seen that. So I think those three pieces, along with Luca, actually builds a real culture. What do you? I mean, the way this team has been built has been so forward thinking to the point that they've missed obvious stuff. Um, the idea of Green, and it's so I feel so bad for him. It's like, oh well, the Mavs are going to need him to be good in three years, and it's like, no, that's why you missed out on taking Bain, who's good right now. Like the Mavs are ready to be good right now. Luca is that important, and so the idea of playing some twenty-four-year-olds who, who you know, because like Jones and and um, the guy from Oregon, it, it's. They're older players. Like, they're older than some of the guys we have on the roster. But knowing how to play basketball is, is of value. And, you know, Kid is – I mean, he's trying Josh Green, but it's like Josh Green and Moses flip in and out because they just really struggle with some of the basics. And so it's just – that's where – you know, I saw a lot of people. There's one guy – I talked to him. I think his name's Adam. I talked to him a lot on Twitter who's like, ah, these signings for the Mavs are really, really bad against – uh, our, you know, Nico Harrison, I just can't believe he signed them. And it's like, Matt, like Mark Cuban signed them. Nico joined the staff like two weeks ago. What are we talking about? And so it's just like some of the things they have to do, they have to figure out what time, what kind of team they are. And I wrote about this when I was still feeling positive about the Mavs, where it's just said, I feel like they're constantly waiting for something. And I don't know what that is, where it's just like, this is the year to, you know, try to, you know, fork through the West. Like everybody's a mess. It's like you have two really good teams at the top and the Suns and the Warriors and everybody else kind of, it's like a very, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. The jazz might be better, but you know, find me a person who, who believes the jazz are good and I'll, I'll have a bridge for them. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about everything though. This, this was, this was a nice win to kind of take the bad taste of. Right. And the only reason why I bring this up is, I mean, I, I want to see something new, and uh, I think with with those guys, given that they're 24, Eugene and, and Jones, uh, I just feel like they they add something to this team that that we already don't have. I mean, Maxie's 30, Dorian Finney-Smith is almost 30 as well, and you know he's on on his last bit of contract, and then Brunson, he's he's a uh, we don't know what's up with Brunson. We don't know if he's going to stay or or he's he's going somewhere else. So I, I just feel like if, if anything, Carleek is one of those guys that you don't let get signed by somebody else because the Mavericks have a bad track record of not actually evaluating their Texas Legends players. Look at Gary Trent Jr. Look at campaign look at you know there there's so many examples of of these players that played in your backyard basically and you just let them go so i mean that's that's all i got for you kurt well the use of the legends is something that we should needle the mavericks about on a different day but 
I understand where you're coming from, and I don't think you're necessarily incorrect. But thanks for hanging out, Jose. Get some sleep, some real sleep. <laughs> I'll try. Thanks, Kurt. Right. Talk soon. Okay. Uh, the Big Shot Pod. Yeah, I can never see your full name. There it is. With Mr. Baza. How you doing? I'm good for once. Um, yeah. Uh, so I was, I just wanted to give a shout out to Reggie for actually hitting not just one, but hitting four three pointers tonight. And, uh, also I loved, uh, Moses Brown's energy. Yeah. He is, uh, a little sloppy and, you know, he definitely needs to polish his finishing skills, but I think his energy is something that can really help us. You know, he brings a lot of hustle and, you know, he really seems to care. And sometimes that's the problem with the Mavs. I feel like they're um, just kind of neutral. You know, they like they don't show a lot of like, I guess, commitment. Or I don't know if that's the right word, but they just don't look, you know, that engaged sometimes. So I think Moses just really brings, you know, a lot of positive energy. And I think, like I said, he is, you know, sloppy, but, you know, for the most part, I think his energy helps us. And, um, and Josh Green, I have not been a believer like ever. Uh, it was nice to see him get his four points tonight, but, you know, I think we need to, you know, move on and give his, his spot on the lineup to, you know, Frank Dilakina or, you know, someone who can actually produce a lot. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to those those three players and Reggie, Moses, and a little bit to Josh Green. I agree. When is a when and seeing some progress from certain guys at certain points is important. Well, thank you for hanging out. We'll talk soon. Oh, and real quick, I just sure. want I just wanted to say Luca needs to stop complaining. Mm. He can do it on the dead balls, but he needs to stop doing that while, you know, the the game is still going on because when he does that, he just can't get back on defense and that they usually end up scoring when he does that. So we need to stop doing that. And that's why we need a, a veteran like um, Goran Dragic or something. Cause I think that they can really, you know, get the point across to him so that he can stop doing that. It's getting, it's, it's, uh, it's nipping it, nipping it, nipping it in the bud. Um, there was a play last year where the Mavs were playing the heat and Goron told, like, basically snapped at him from the other team and was like, shut the fuck up. And he, <laughs> and he did. It's like, oh, man, he just he needs it because some of this stuff is border gone petulant. It's very frustrating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this, this team, I've been saying it for a while. We just need a good, solid veteran who's been there. Uh, Dragic has been all the way to the finals. So, you know, I think he would be. More, I think he'd be more important just from his leadership aspect rather than, you know, his production on the court. So, yeah, I think he would be a perfect candidate for the Mavs. And then and he's also vocalized how he wants to be on the Mavs, which I don't know why anyone would want to be on the Mavs right now, but more power to him. Yeah. Well, thank you for hanging out. Hope to hope you uh, come back on Friday when the Mavs play. Definitely will. Thanks, Kurt. Mm hmm. All right, Garrett, thanks for hanging out for a while. Okay, so I only really got to watch the second half. I was working on exams, but I loved – I always love seeing Moses out there. He's one of my favorites from this here mystic group we have. But really what I wanted to think about outside of the Cuban quotes that just really pissed me off today, uh, two really funny quotes from two different post games. So the first one, uh, Luca in this post game, he said – uh, obviously there's going to be emotions, but we're looking forward to this on playing against Rick against Pacers. So that game will either be really chippy with these former guys trying to prove it and Rick's new guys trying to defend him, or it'll just be boring. So there's that. And then a really, really funny quote from Anthony Edwards. And yes, I'm post- glad you're bringing this up. I, I've been sent it by like 12 yeah. people, but I didn't know where to, you want me to read it. it? Please go. Yeah. Okay, here's the quote. Anytime I go against Porzingis, I don't get no layups. I don't get why we couldn't finish on Rudy Gobert. He don't put no fear in my heart. I don't know why. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I love it so much. So if you go back and look at the game threads last year, not game threads, like just the logs, Porzingis, when they played the um, um, 
Timberwolves twice. They like Porzingis specifically kicked the shit out of them. And like Towns didn't play in a couple of the games. So it was like Edwards and Scrubs. And there were instances where Porzingis looked incredible. Cause I remember I was so. Right. It was like one of those things. He was where, close to forty in one of those games, wasn't he? Like thirty eight, yes. thirty nine. Yeah. He was real good, and I I still remember like like Jeff Skin Wade like just going nuts during the game, and it's like okay, they're they're really playing like a G League team here. What's happening? Yeah. But that is an incredible quote because Edwards is. If you guys haven't watched the Wolves this year, Edwards is that dude. He's he great. is Love him. unbelievable. Just an incredible athlete and basketball. And maybe he just doesn't know what defensive bigs look like since he has to play with Cat. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, I just those quotes were just hilarious to me. I absolutely love Anthony Edwards. But tonight it was just it was good to get a nice rebound win and a hopefully lighter schedule coming up should you know push it back. And then, like Porzingis said, after Christmas this team should really take off. So I'm hoping it does. But who knows? I like the positivity, my man. Well, thanks so much for joining us. You got anything else? Uh, uh, I think Evan Mobley is going to win Rookie of the Year. I think he was the steal of the draft. Mm, he's real good, man. It's tough. There's some good players in this draft. I, I love – that's why I wish the Mavs cared more about the draft because I love rooting for young guys' like development, and it just stinks that the Mavericks don't really care. Oh, well. We're going to draft pick this year. That's exciting. So – all right, we'll talk soon, Grant or Garrett. Hope you come back. All right, we'll do. All right, then we got two more folks. Davis, thanks for waiting. What do you got for us tonight? There we are. How you doing? App is being a little funky. It's it's nearly eleven fifteen at night, so we'll see what's happening. Davis, uh, try to um, uh, exit and join back in the room. We'll bring you up in a second. Um, Tyler, you've been waiting. How are you again? Two nights. I know it's like a new record for me. <laughs> well, it's a, you know, after last night's, you, know, you joined like one in the morning. So it's like now it's much better. So what's, well, that's what happens sometimes living the college life. Um, so full disclosure, I had class tonight. And so I was kind of in and out of the game. Class. Uh, and then I, uh, I was in, uh, what class? <laughs> <Right now. laughs> I forget. Which one shows you where my shows you where my headspace is at. at That's right. But uh, so on the way back home from class, I listened to uh, the radio broadcast and I don't know if anybody else in here listened to it, but it sounded like uh, Cooperstein had swallowed an entire box of like marble red 100s because his voice was (laughs) rough. Two nights in a row. Too much talking. I know it was it was I, I could hardly even understand him, but. Uh, I don't have much on the game. I think everybody has kind of explained it pretty well. Um, I have some beef with Mark Cuban, like I assume everybody else does. Uh, he's an asshat for uh, the, the Mavs Twitter thing. Like, come on. Be be grown. Your fan base, 90% of the fan base is on Twitter in some, in some space. Like, that's just being naive of what the actual fan base is. And that's it just is so frustrating. And then the second thing, I don't know if anybody else heard it. Uh, Dirk was on the ticket this morning and doing some, I guess, PR for him or whatever. It just seems kind of ironic that they send Dirk out there to do PR for the team after everything that's happened the last few days and all the backlash they're getting. Cuban sending Dirk out there to do his freaking dirty laundry just pisses me off. I get it. I really, really do. But that's almost kind of his gig and he wants to do it. And so I don't know how to feel about it, but you know, at a certain point results trump that sort of thing. And so it's like Dirk is very much a, uh, a filthy casual and you can tell like he wouldn't, if he's watching every game, he'd have harsher things to say. The, this is this, you know, too many people that are not Mavericks fans have talked about how borderline unwatchable this Mavericks team is. And so, you know, it's it's him doing his job as kind of the, the team liaison. But, you know, they're back at 500. Maybe this is them turning a corner. There's still plenty of time. They just have to show us something. Yeah. 
And I mean, I'm sure the only reason he was at the game last night was because his boy Nash was there. So, yeah. um, one last thing, uh, the Pacers game, I'm a hundred percent going to watch. I give it until about the second quarter before Lucas says something to Rick and they almost fight. And I think that happens. I mean, it's disappointing. Um, who's the little white guard that they have? It was the sixer. Uh, McConnell. Yeah. So McConnell's out for the year. Like McConnell would have been the guy to that. Rick was like, here's what you do to piss off Luca. I don't really know if they, they can do that now. Um, it's, it's, but that would have been like an absolute like barroom brawl. And so I think this will be the game where like the Mavericks hang like 60, like they, they might beat the, beat the, uh, beat the Pacers by a thousand points. Like, this team has used Rick, and understandably so to agree, but I think it's a little unfair, um, by like a billion. Like Rick is the guy that they, they think caused all their problems. So it's it's really something. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. If they uh, if they go out there and just beat the living crap out of them, uh, I'll feel pretty good about it. Well, thank you for joining. I appreciate you. I hope you come back to Friday. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, talk soon, Tyler. All right, coming up next, uh, Davis, we're going to give you a last shot here on the pod, see if it works this time. How are we doing? Yeah, sorry about that, Kirk. I, yeah, it happens. Just disappeared for some reason. Um, yeah. I'll say this. I think the math community is like, I, listen, Rick's the greatest math coach of all time. His coaching in 2011-2014 is some of the best coaching I've ever seen. So I like I get that Lucas fans and I'm a Lucas fan. I get I get that they want to blame everything on Rick, but Rick did not cost us the last two series. We were in it because of his strategy, in my opinion. Um, and I think we've seen the result of a different offensive strategy this year, um, which took us from you know a top one to you know top ten offense year after year to the bottom. Uh, 20 offense in the league. So I feel like I'm just annoyed about my fans. Like, I feel like they don't respect him enough. And like, you can be annoyed with him or whatever, but like, this constant urge to fail bothers me. Like, it's just, it makes no sense. I think he's, he's done a lot of great things. That's one. My second grab against my fans is, uh, it's like, I, I mean, I just, I think, Moses is like, he played great today, but like Memphis has had nobody uh, quick enough to really make him pay. And I think that's what he was playable. Like if John, if John was playing this game, he would have been played off the floor against, you know, whenever they would switch that. um, Oh yeah. Like he he would not be playable. Like that's this thing. They had nobody to make him pay. There were no one quick enough to um, flow by him really, or, to where a switch really um, caused him issues. So it's, I their think, offense was like three yards in a cloud of dust. Like it was wild. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, I love the energy, great energy, but like, let's calm down. Um, it's you know against a quicker guard, I think he'll be exposed, just like Boban is. You know, um, so that's my that's, that's my other thing. And uh, and lastly, I think I'm glad everyone's caught up to our lack of interior scoring. This is like the first thing I noticed from like the first week of, of our games is like, we were getting open shots, but we weren't producing open looks at the rim, even yep. though we were never um, that great at those shots in the past couple of years. Like, but there were more the, of them, like they were yeah. middling and now they're just. It, exactly. As a team, we weren't, you know, we, we weren't elite, but Luca uh, was always one of the leading drivers in the league. And, and, you know, was always around, you know, 65 to 7% around, you know, around the rim uh, finishing. Um, and we were, you know, averaging, yeah, two more attempts per game. And we were shooting like, you know, 5 to 10% better um, in that, that area per game. And that just made a huge difference because that makes up for a lot of your lack of shooting. If you have a cold night, well, that's fine. You, you're at least still producing looks at the rim, which this team just does not do anymore. So if you do, you know, if you do go cold, um, then you have no other way to score. So, Which is crazy because Kid talked a lot about how much he wanted them to get to the rim more. It's just they just can't. Like I don't, well, I don't know anyway. if it's they can't or won't.
Well, he, so he complained about it, but then he implemented a strategy where it makes that where it, where it makes that super difficult, right? So he, you know, he's oh, we want more, you know, shots inside or whatever. But then you're going to play two bigs, which limits spacing, which limits drives at the rim. So, you know, you can say you want it, but what you know, what strategy are you implementing um, to to actually accomplish that? And where are players being spaced out? You know, to uh, you know, to make sure your guys are able, you know, Brunson and Luca are able to actually get to the rim. And he does have the strategy to actually produce that is you know, unfortunately what we've seen the last, you know, a couple of weeks, but we'll see. Yep. Well, thanks for hanging out, Davis. We'll talk uh, soon. This has been fun. Um, I think I need to go to bed because it's almost midnight and we talked way too much last night. Um, yeah, Kirk Henderson, Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. Good job, guys. We will talk with you a little bit soon. And just remember, you're a real Mavs fan no matter what someone who owns the team says.